Welcome to the RCPS Community Partner Cafe. We're glad you're here. This podcast is for parents, community partners, and anyone interested in learning more about education, child development, and other topics related to Rockingham County Public Schools, Virginia. I am your host, Katie Lapira, Coordinator of Community Engagement, along with school social worker Donna Delisle. Let's get started. Welcome to Episode 4 of RCPS Community Partner Cafe. We are joined today by Dr. Ashley Hauf, Supervisor of Pupil Personnel Services, and School Nurse Myra Hensley. Today we're going to talk about the role of school nurses in RCPS, the history of school nurses, a typical day in elementary, middle, and high, and what recommendations do our nurses have for our parents and guardians to ensure that they stay healthy in school. I'm going to hand the mic over to Donna Delisle, who will uh, talk a little bit more with both Ashley and Myra. Thanks, Katie. And thank you, Ashley and Myra, for joining us today. This is a very important topic. Uh, I think nurses have played such an important role in our national health care, and that was more evident particularly during our COVID years. Uh, And nurses in our schools also played a vital role in ensuring that our schools were safe, uh, not only just during COVID and the years following, but uh, 24-7 or during the school hours of uh, when our kids are in school. And I think we think of the role of the school nurse as having been around forever and ever, but I'm probably thinking that wasn't wasn't the case. So, Ashley, I was wondering if you could give us a little history about how school nursing came about in in our country. Absolutely. Thank you, Donna. School nurses actually began um, taking place in the U.S. about 1900, and it was for the purpose to improve attendance. At that time, school physicians were responsible for completing the daily classroom inspections to identify students with communicable diseases. In the early years of the nursing uh, profession, school nurses and physicians then would collaborate together to conduct classroom inspections. The school nurse would visit the student's home then and provide education and make community referrals to assist the family in accessing the necessary medical care. It was until like 1950, 1960, the school health was seen more broadly as a sufficient program led by school nurses. School nurses completed environmental assessments of the schools, as well as looked for potential hazards and provided recommendations for improvement to the buildings. The concept of a comprehensive school health program, CSHP, was introduced in the 80s. And at that time, we were thought to have the need for improving the ability of health care and educational outcomes for our students. The nurses really were there to help reduce the overall health care cost by emphasizing some prevention care, as well as providing some easy access for families to find care for their students. We kind of come full circle, as Donna had mentioned, with COVID, where school nursing then began to go back into the prevention and mitigation of contagious diseases when COVID came about. So that's where school nurses began to reconnect more with their families, offer more education, and then were there to support and guide their schools throughout the process of overcoming COVID and getting our children and students back into the building. So it's been an evolution from the 1900s uh, to currently where we are, and it's a profession that is endless, it's rewarding, but it is an integral part of our school system and our school community. 
Thank you, Ashley. I appreciate that. That's, it's quite a history for school nurses and didn't really know how far back they, they started. So thank you for that. Myra, I was wondering if you could give us a, a, an idea of what is a typical day in the life of a school nurse for elementary, middle, and high school nurses. Absolutely. A typical day, even though it's going to be different for every school based on the age of the child, there's so many things that we have in common, such as chronic diagnosis, which require daily medications, assessments, and possibly even nursing procedures. This can start as early as 7.50 in the morning because some of these students need care before they ever go to their first block. Think things like diabetes, asthma, endocrine disorders, metabolic issues, or even autoimmune diseases. We see all of that. Acute illnesses, somebody that gets off of the school bus and they got motion sick because they were on the school bus on a back road. Students that got up and had a tummy ache, but they tried to make it through. Sometimes we see those things very early. Headaches, any type of acute illness or ailment, we see those. We also have our scheduled medications that nurses do every day. Some nurses that I've spoken to through our county, they have those every hour. So there was one nurse in particular that I talked to that every day of her nursing career at the school, she gives meds um, except for one hour at nine o'clock. That was it. So very busy. And then on top of that, we have our things that come in throughout the day. Again, acute illness as well as injuries. Elementary school, you're looking at things like playground, PE. Same thing for middle school other than middle schoolers. Our nurses said they typically are trying to keep up with, you know, their peers, showing off, doing things like that. So that's where those injuries might come from. And then at a high school level, we see the same thing. Those acute injuries from playing pickleball. I think I never realized how many injuries come with PE. (laughs) So typically in a school day, most nurses see between like 30 and 35 students. We do have some schools that see upward of 50 and 60. And then we have some smaller schools that might see a little less. But for most of us, it averages about 30, 35 students a day. Wow, that's a lot. Yes. Busy, busy from the, the time you hit the hit the floor. This is true. And you know, the one thing I would like to add to that is our middle and high schoolers, we also have a lot of concussion protocols. They see that some at an elementary level, but at middle school, we have JV athletes, and at high school, we have our JV and varsities. So amidst all of the other illnesses and chronic issues, we also have the concussions that we deal with a lot of us on a daily basis. Oh, yeah, for sure. Can you talk about uh, the type of uh, maybe education that you provide for uh, teachers um, and and students just on some basic level, I'm sure, some education about health? Yes. When we see students come in, if they frequently have headaches or different ailments, there's things that we know as a nurse that the student can do to be proactive in their health. Many students are not aware how much water, just drinking enough water a day, will help keep us hydrated, keep us from feeling dizzy or having those headaches. We provide that health information to students whenever possible, also letting them know how important it is to have a well-balanced diet. 
a lot of students come in and their stomachs are hurting first or second block and you get to talking to them and they've never had not one drink or one thing to eat that morning. So that's huge on an educational level. Also, you know, a lot of students aren't aware or they don't want to use medications, which is a good thing. We don't want too too much use of medications, but we can't also underestimate the use of a Tylenol if we have a headache to maybe help subside it and let us continue through our day. So it's an ongoing uh, kind of a combination of education and, and treating or helping throughout the day. Yes. Ashley, I was wondering if uh, you can, for our parents that are listening, kind of give us some tips that would be helpful for parents when we're thinking about or when they're thinking about the health of their children. Oh, absolutely. I encourage our our parents to use our school nurses as a resource because oftentimes parents are not are unsure of whether or not to take their child to the doctor and to see if there's something that they can possibly treat. But our school nurses are often able to troubleshoot and be able to help and advise parents and lead them to remedy the situation. So that's one piece that I would really encourage parents to, to use our, utilize our school nurses, as well as um, be well informed with the medical and school health information that's going home. We have a lot of requirements um, for for students to be able to attend school, um, such as immunizations and physicals. And so they're required by grade and age level. And we try to send as much information as possible to make parents be well informed of the requirements before a new school year. So that's very, very helpful. And oftentimes we wait, um, parents wait until right before school starts, which I think is something, uh, an issue that we encountered last year in our health departments and our local physician's offices were bombarded with the request and they weren't able to meet the request in a timely manner in order for the parents and the students to start on to start school initially. So anytime that they can get those appointments for immunizations and follow-ups or for their physicals, in particular, the sports physicals that are required before the students step foot onto the field or to to the court, that would be ideal is to go ahead and get that taken care of as soon as possible. That, that's some great information, and again, um, they can parents can certainly reference the um, RCPS website if they have any other questions or um, talk to their school personnel, school nurse. Yes. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And we encourage parents to, you know, it's something we don't think of very often, but it's a good idea every year to look back at your child's immunizations and be thinking, are they due for something? Because we as parents get so busy, sometimes that's the last thing you think about until June or July before they're getting ready to go back to school. And like Ashley said, to schedule um, an appointment off season is going to be much more beneficial than waiting to the last minute. Yes, good. Good recommendation. And Mara, uh, can you talk about the role the school nurse has uh, when sort of bridging the doctor's office with the um, student in our school and the role that you play in kind of bridging those two um, settings? Absolutely. Communication. That's basically the biggest bridge there is. And it was funny because as I talked with a lot of our nurses, that was the word that kept coming up is if we can just make those communication bridges stronger. 
making sure that we have, you know, accurate information. People sometimes change doctors. They also change phone numbers or um, phone carrier providers. So if we always have the most update information and if we have signed forms on file that tell us, you know, that we can exchange information with doctors and that we can get in touch with parents when we need it, that that is the biggest bridge that we could have to collaborate all of our care for the best interests of our students. I'm thinking in terms of if there was ever an emergency, not having that, that current phone number poses a, a problem. Yes. And that's the other thing, knowing that when the parents fill out a form and they use their emergency contacts, making sure that your emergency contacts know that they're an emergency contact, because it's pretty awkward to call somebody because you can't get in touch with a parent. And that person says, do what? Um, I'm, I'm a who? Yeah. <laughs> so it's important that they know as well and that they agree to it because they might indeed be the person coming to pick that child up. That's a great point. Great point. Um, as we come to a close here, um, I want to ask both of you any sort of final thoughts that Myra will start with you that you have in terms of um, our parents and health and school nursing. The only thing that I would highlight on is we go um, post COVID days which I think we're all thrilled about, is now we're trying to transition back into that pre-COVID, what is illness and what is sickness that we should keep our children home for? And I think those lines got blurred with COVID because we were, we were following a much more strict guideline. Now what we would like to do is maintain the consistency across the county of saying if your child has had a fever, diarrhea, or has been vomiting, they need to be at home for 24 hours without medication and symptoms before returning to school. And a lot of people don't understand the rationale for that, but we can start feeling better but that virus is still within our system and can still be contagious to others. So making sure that we wait that 24 hours, we don't have ibuprofen or cold medicines on board, and that that child is okay and able to return to school helps keep all of our other children safe too. Oh, that, And we would not know that unless we had a nurse to kind of give us that education on how yes. to manage illness. So thank you. And thank you. Ashley, you're... Any closing thoughts? Sure. I think we have the absolute best school nurses around. Um, we actually have one school nurse in every one of our schools. We have registered nurses. We have LPNs as well. So, And they go above and beyond duty all the time. Not only are they able to care for acute illnesses and being able to take care of the regimented medications and the daily responsibilities, but they also extend beyond those walls of that school and they do other things in that building. They are an integral part of the staff, as I had mentioned earlier, and I can't express how much I appreciate all that they do and their sacrifices that they make and also putting on their counseling hats because often they have more roles than you can ever imagine. Um, They're janitors during the day. They're helping our custodial crews. They're doing everything in that building that is just worthy of, of their accolades. So I appreciate all that they do, and I'm pleased to be able to work with them. Thank you, Ashley. And Myra, thank you for joining us today. This has, I think, been very uh, informative and uh, will help uh, a lot of our parents kind of get an an understanding of how they can be 
helpful to their children. So thank you again. Thank you for having me. And I'd like to echo the thanks to all of our school nurses and to both Ashley and Myra for joining us today. This has been episode four of RCPS Community Cafe. If you like this episode, be sure to like and share it. And we look forward to having you join us next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the RCPS Community Partner Cafe. If you would like to learn more about the information discussed on this podcast, visit us at www.rcps.net. If you have questions related to your own child, please contact their school directly. The information shared on this podcast does not substitute for advice directly related to your child. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, be sure to share. Share.